The Lord be with you. We lift up your hearts. Good morning, church. We gather on this fifth Sunday after Pentecost to worship God in word and song, in singing and silence, in spirit and in truth. My name is Jonathan Lee, and I have the privilege of serving as the Associate Chaplain for Student Outreach here at Marsh Chapel. Whether this is your first Sunday, your 100th Sunday, or even your 1,000th Sunday here at Marsh, and whether you are seated in the pews or joining us remotely, either through our live stream or by phone, the community welcomes you to worship this Sunday. We are so grateful for your presence. This Sunday, we continue our national summer preaching series on Matthew and the cost of discipleship. Today's preacher will be the Reverend Dr. Jessica Chica, Marsh Chapel's University Chaplain for International Students. And now we've been giving more formal introductions to our guest preachers, and so I thought it'd be um, relevant to give a little introduction of um, Jessica Chica as well, even though she is a staff um, on staff here. Um, so I thought I'd say, if you didn't know, she's an avid crafter. She loves to crochet. Um, so maybe talk to her about some projects she has um, later this afternoon. Um, I'd also like to remind of those who are in person that we'll be having our annual summer cookouts directly after today's service downstairs in Marsh Chapel because of the rain. This is a catered event, so do not panic and think that you have had to prepare something to attend. Our ushers and the hospitality team will be in the narthex after the service to help guide and answer any questions you might have. Now, as we enter a time of worship, remember that the Psalms tell us that all the earth tells all the earth to cry out with joy to the Lord, worship the Lord with gladness, and come into God's presence with singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As Abel, please stand in praise of God.
Almighty God, you have built your church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their teaching, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who forgives all our sin, whose mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may, be perfect, we may perfectly magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captives to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit, that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us share signs of Christ's peace with one another. from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. 
God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he asked, or he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The word of the Lord. Today, today's theme when we get to the gospel lesson and Reverend Dr. Chico's sermon is about radical welcome and hospitality. And when Jesus was questioned about the greatest commandment and he responded, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself, he suggests that to love God is to love neighbor. So to love neighbor, to welcome neighbor, to be hospitable, to practice welcome, is to love God, and to offer our very best, the best of rooms, and the best room that you can offer is your heart.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what advantage did you get then from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly Psalm 13, along with the singing of the Antiphon. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I shake you. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. as you are able for the glory of Patri and the reading of the Gospel lesson.
chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Glory to you, O Lord. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning. I am happy to be here again preaching at Marsh Chapel and to be a part of this summer preaching series on Matthew and the cost of discipleship. I am even more grateful to be sharing this time with you on our annual cookout Sunday because I know what the menu is and lunch is going to be delicious. Unfortunately, the weather hasn't cooperated with our plans, so we will have an indoor cookout downstairs after the service together. For the past month, members of our ministry and hospitality staff have been participating in new student orientation sessions for the university. Each Thursday morning, we, along with other staff and students from departments around campus, take our places at tables set up in the gymnasium on the second floor of the Fitness and Recreation Center next to the Aganis Arena. The challenge with these types of events is to try to get students to engage with you. Groups of incoming students enter the gym, walking around with the few friends they've made during their two-day stay on campus, inundated with all of the opportunities. Find out about sustainability, or the band, or dining services, or the Newberry Center. There's so many great and wonderful things that can happen on our campus to support students every day. As you can imagine, religious life is not always the most popular attention-drawing option for students. However, thanks to our combined efforts, I think we've made great strides this year in welcoming these new students to our campus. The biggest draw to our table is a prize wheel. And you know why? Everybody likes to spin a wheel, (laughs) except our wheel doesn't just have prizes. Instead, it asks questions of the students. So, for example, a student might spin the wheel and land on, what brings you hope? Or, where do you find peace? Or, name a spiritual practice. Despite the fact that we aren't just giving away free things if you spin the wheel, and don't worry, we also give away free things. Students are genuinely engaging in answering these questions. Thanks to our associate chaplain, Jonathan, who's honed these questions over the four weeks that we've been doing this, the students are willing to carry on a brief conversation about what brings them meaning. One example of how simple these interactions can be can be summed up in this one exchange. A student spun the wheel and it landed on What is an act of kindness you've experienced recently? Surprisingly, many students earlier had struggled to answer this question. They would think and have a blank look on their face, 
and then ask if they could spin the wheel again. However, this one student very confidently said, oh yeah, someone held the door for me today. That was nice of them. Hospitality comes in the small gestures of kindness that we show to others and that helps us tell them that we see them and we recognize their presence. In these fleeting interactions with students, we've had a chance to establish a connection. It's not just us sharing information about opportunities for engaging religious life on campus, but it's starting the groundwork for a relationship. Sometimes students stick around and ask more questions about religious life. Maybe they have a tradition they're a part of, or maybe they're just curious and they want to learn more about other traditions and how they can get involved. Of course, there's also students who just want our cool swag, and we've got some pretty great stuff this year. But the majority take the time to have a brief conversation with us. Bringing welcoming faces and attitudes to new students is critical as they start their time at BU. It makes them feel a part of the greater community. Even more than that, what we aim to do through the Office of Religious Life is acknowledge each person's unique background, gifts, and interests that they have. No two students are exactly alike, and no two students' experiences at BU are going to be exactly the same. In welcoming students for who they are, we can help them to discover where their passions lie, connect them with other students, and help them find meaning in their time at the university. All are welcomed to take part in the offerings of Marsh Chapel and religious life, whether it's a meal, a worship service, a religious holiday celebration, or a weekly group meeting. Hospitality, welcoming others, is at the core of our Christian teachings, and indeed at the core of many religious values and teachings. If we reflect on the narratives told about Jesus' ministry, we will recall many occasions during which he offers a welcoming attitude to others, especially those who have been cast out or excluded from their societies. He eats with them. He heals them. He brings them back into community of their origin to be loved and accepted. Jesus' teachings and mission is about inclusion. In today's gospel, we hear Jesus instructing the disciples on how they are to go about doing their ministry in the world. Jesus' message is not about force or cajoling others into believing his message, but rather it is about being welcomed and accepted and returning that welcome and acceptance. The disciples who will be sent out into the world are dependent on those they encounter in their mission, providing hospitality for them, giving them a place to stay, giving them food to eat. However, it is not just the disciples as individuals that these communities accept. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. In ancient Mediterranean culture, the act of accepting a person from outside your own community or family meant that you accept all members of that outside community. By these communities welcoming the disciples, they welcome Jesus and God. The kind of hospitality to which Jesus refers is not some extraordinary feat 
It is as simple as offering a cold glass of water to a stranger. It is in the very basic and everyday acts of looking after and caring for one another through which we extend God's love and care. We, in return, should recognize these simple acts of hospitality when they are extended to us. Hospitality can also take on more extreme forms, including offering sanctuary to those who are in threat of deportation or safety for those experiencing natural disasters or homelessness. Hospitality and welcome cover a wide breadth of actions. However, these days one might find it difficult to witness this. An interesting, if not disheartening, fact about modern Christianity is that these instructions of welcome seem to be lost in today's world. So many of the loudest Christian voices in our country are not welcoming others. Instead, they are actively excluding and harming them. From immigration to LGBTQ plus rights to anti-racism work, Christian voices seem to be the loudest in creating inhospitable conditions for others. I refer you to some of the recent decisions made by our Supreme Court regarding religion and First Amendment rights. As a response to these recent events, Reconciling Works, the organization advocating for full inclusion of LGBTQ plus individuals in the ELCA, my home denomination, posted a simple statement on Friday on their Instagram feed. The post, clearly pointing toward the Supreme Court's ruling with a gavel and judicial building outline along with a pride flag, stated, did you know that discrimination is not a Christian value? There is a false narrative across the country that claims that it is. Instead of bringing people together and welcoming them through kindness, there are those who continually seek to leave others out and persecute them. Christ's message cannot be any clearer. We are to love and welcome others for who they are. Today's passage is just one of many that highlights the importance of welcoming and affirming others. Perhaps what would be best for us is to think of times when we ourselves have not felt welcomed by others. I'm sure there might be at least one or two examples of when you've gone to a new place or met new people and felt like you weren't welcomed or included. For me, growing up with my dad serving as an interim minister, we would go to a new church every few years. And I came to understand the importance of providing a welcoming space to visitors or new congregation members. Often, my mom and I were the unofficial hospitality checkers for a new church when my dad would start serving there. Because they hadn't met us yet, most people would have no clue that my mom was the pastor's wife and I was one of his kids. I will not provide explicit examples, but there were definitely times when we didn't feel like people wanted to get to know us or even invited us to be a part of their community full time. Exclusion and outright rejection hurts. Being ignored is dehumanizing. Our intentionality around the communities we form must include a broad span of who we are willing to welcome and be welcomed by. We should be continually asking ourselves how we can create welcoming spaces for others upon which relationships and deep understanding can flourish. 
Today's gospel also takes a strange turn for our preaching series this summer. Jesus begins to discuss the reward of the prophets and the reward for one who gives a cool drink to another. Our preaching series this year is focused on the costs of discipleship in Matthew, not the rewards. To be sure, extending hospitality does not come without risks or costs. There are risks of others taking advantage of those offering hospitality or having nefarious ideas behind being hospitable to others. But, in general, showing kindness and a welcoming attitude to others does not require a large amount of sacrifice or doesn't necessarily seem costly. Here, however, Jesus is very clear that there is a reward for those who extend hospitality to others. What is that reward? A reward, in the sense, is getting what someone deserves. But what one deserves may not be based on merit alone. This reward from God and God's criteria, this reward is from God and God's criteria for deservedness may not match our own human ideas about what one deserves. Paul's epistle to the Romans from today's reading helps us better understand the reward mentioned here, the gift of salvation. Paul writes to the Romans distinguishing between law and grace and sin and righteousness, directing them to recognize the way in which God's free gift of grace frees them to be in service to one another. For Paul, the overall message is not that one must do certain acts in order to obtain righteousness, but that because one is renewed and saved by grace, sanctification is possible. Not only that, but because of God's grace, we are able to go into the world and demonstrate the love of God for others through acts of service, including hospitality. God's reward is eternal life. It is not a reward that is earned, but rather a reward that is given freely to all. Today is a communion Sunday here at Marsh Chapel, and I am particularly excited because we will be serving communion in both kinds today, meaning both wafer and grape juice or wine. With the exclusion of the individual grape juice and wafer communion packs that we had during the height of COVID, we haven't had communion with juice or wine since March of 2020 here at Marsh Chapel. And while it is perfectly acceptable to take communion only in one kind, that is only in wafer or bread form, it brings my heart joy to be able to offer both elements to you this morning. For me, God's radical hospitality is found most distinctly in communion. It is a time when we as a community are invited to come together as one and take part in the heavenly meal filled with God's grace. God's presence in, through, and under the communion elements brings us together into the body of Christ. Reminded of God's grace, we are then refueled to take God's hospitality out into the world to others as well and share, share it with them. We are a congregation that offers an open table, meaning that all who wish to participate in communion can come forward. You are welcomed to this table. Additionally, after the service today, we will have our annual summer cookout in the lower level of the chapel. Everyone is welcome to come. If you're here, you're invited. 
For some of us, it will be the first summer cookout with Marsh Chapel that we'll have attended. In our post-pandemic life, there have been many new faces who have become a part of our worshiping community. And perhaps those folks have not had the same opportunity to socialize with our congregation because we've been coming out of COVID. For others, this might be our fifth or tenth or even fifteenth cookout. And what I hope for each of us is to find ways that we can extend hospitality to each other. Maybe by talking with a new person, sitting at a table with strangers, or even offering to get someone a drink. There are so many ways we can exhibit exhibit these gestures of care for one another. From the very small, like a simple hello, to the larger quest for inclusivity and belonging of all people. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Amen.
Let us return to God the offerings of our life and the gifts of the earth.
God of all creation, you, all you have made is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts that we might be for the world signs of your gracious presence in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who, on the cross, opened his arms to all. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share in this heavenly food. The body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, a brief note on communion today. 
As mentioned earlier, we will be offering communion in two kinds. Uh, by intinction, which means dipping the wafer into either wine or grape juice. The way that we will be doing this is Jonathan will be holding the chalice with wine in it, and Bill, standing over here, will be holding the chalice with grape juice in it. Chloe, (laughs) who is in the back, will be coming down as an usher to dismiss this side first, the pulpit side first, and then dismiss the lectern side to come up. So come up and receive, and then go back by the side aisle back to your seat. Uh, We also have uh, gluten-free available for anyone who requests it. Thank you.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
gracious to us. May God look on us with favor and give us 